Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, talking about the angel and then a multitude of angels. We're going to begin in the 8th verse, reading down through the 15th verse. And God's word reads this way. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people for there is born to you this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with The angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. And so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. I want to do a word study for the first several verses that we're going to look at tonight. In verse 9, it begins with this announcement, And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. The word behold means to look, to perceive, as to recognize and discern something through observation. And so right away, the writer of this account says, Look or behold to perceive, to recognize, to gain insight or discernment through observation. And so he's, he's in a sense, uh, redirecting our attention. Have you ever started reading something and pretty soon you're just drifting off into like no brain territory? I mean, all of a sudden you can't even remember what you just read and page after page after page has been turned and if someone was going to give you an exam, you probably wouldn't do real well. And, and, but then there's something that happens within the narrative or the story and it captivates your attention again and it sort of redirects and brings you back to the plot or the story or the information. And, and this is what is taking place here. Uh, God knows uh, man's nature and, and that we have a tendency to just our mind wanders and 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 he's saying, saying to us, behold, look, pay attention. I want to redirect your attention so that you recognize and discern something new. And that's all included in that one word, behold. So he's, he's saying, I, I want you through observation, not to just read as if you've always read. I want you to read differently. I want you to look at this differently because there's great depth in what God's word has to say. And and then from there, it goes on and it says, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. That's that's something that happened when the angel showed up. So when the angel of the Lord showed up on, on that night to the shepherds, they were working the night shift. This was the guys on the third shift. So, you know, they're they're showing up into the fields late into the evenings. It's dark outside of of the uh, of the stars in the sky and uh and all of a sudden, the glory of the Lord comes. And the glory of the Lord is a bright light. And and in this particular case, it's like a spotlight. It's directed towards the shepherds. And so here they are in this dark environment, working the night shift, taking care of these sheep that were going to be sacrificed for 
during Passover, and, and they took their job very seriously because predators come out at night. And so uh, we all know that to a degree that our eyes adjust according to the, vi- in, in the environment that we're in. And so here they are, and it's night, and it's dark, and, and suddenly, you know, they're, they're, they're encountering the glory of God. And so it's a blinding light. You, you, if, if you and I are outside, uh, you know, in the evening and it's a clear night and the stars are, are giving some illumination to the earth, we can make out where we're going pretty good. We, we, we see shape and form and we may not see as we do in the daylight, but we can navigate in that because our eyes adjust. But then at that moment, imagine someone coming up with, with one of these brand new flashlights, these LED flashlights, and right in your eyeballs. All you're going to see is spots. And, and the glory of the Lord is not only brilliant in its light, it's brilliant because of its power. So the glory of the Lord is the presence of the Lord. It can be interpreted this way. God himself showed up. Think about that for a minute. God himself showed up in his glory. Now, we know that there's different types of glory that Scripture talks about. There's the glory of of God. There's the glory of man. There's the glory of creation. But uh, And we've been around people or desired to be around people, you know, that have a certain amount of fame or are famous people. And why? Because there's a, there's an aura about them. There's a, there's a sense of accomplish, they've accomplished something and they've, they've done something notable and as a, as a result of that they gain a sense of fame. But everything on that realm, according to man, pales compared to the glory of God. So God himself in his glory shows up to these shepherds that are working the night shift and, and what a, story they're going to have to tell, right? And isn't it neat one day that, just as a caveat, when we get to heaven, we get to meet these shepherds? You know that, that they're going to be part of that, that great company of witnesses that one day we get to interact with and rub shoulders with. And, and, and wow, I mean, uh, we, we actually going to rub, uh, maybe have a, a, a meal with them. So the glory of the Lord, the presence of the Lord interpreted in this verse, God himself showed up, and then it says, and they were greatly afraid. Uh, greatly afraid means they were tremendously afraid or fearful as for one's own well-being or life. So minding their own business, taking care of the flock, and this angel shows up, the glory of God uh, shines around them like a spotlight, and suddenly, you know, they're fearful and trembling uh, for their own well-being and thinking they're about uh, to meet their creator. The end of my days has come upon me, is, is how fearful that, that they are. And then the angel goes into this message. The angel said to them in verse 10, do not be afraid. He, he perceived their fear. He, he perceived that they thought that their life was in danger. And he understood that the environment was overwhelming to them that they had not encountered the presence of the Lord God himself manifesting in their midst like this at any time in their life. They're encountering and experiencing God. He says, for behold, he uses that same word again, and he's redirecting them 
away from their fear and he's getting their attention and their eyes on the reality of why he came. And, and God can visit us in our fear and our doubt, our apprehensions and our failures and, and our regrets. And one of the things he does is he redirects us to his faithfulness. Because we feel like we failed. We feel like we've come short. We feel like we've, you know, who am I that, that you would visit me, that you would care about me? And, and what is man that you're even, even mindful of him? Remember the psalmist said that? And, and that you would even visit us. And yet God, because of his unconditional love and his commitment to demonstrate that love towards us, shows up in the most fearful moment of our lives with his presence, with himself, and he redirects our attention to something that can be transformational. He directs us to his faithfulness. And, and notice the message. The message is, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Good tidings means the best news ever or the best news that anyone can hear or anyone has the privilege of sharing. Think about, think about that in your own witness now. You and I have been given the great responsibility and privilege to share good tidings. That is the good news. It's not just good news. It is the best news ever that anyone can share or that anyone can hear. When, when is the last time that you thought to yourself, I can't wait to share the best news that I've ever heard or that anyone has ever heard with someone who maybe has never heard it? And maybe what's the one thing that we all have in common that prohibits or keeps us from doing that at times? About the fear of man about the fear of our reputation, the fear of rejection, the fear of failure, failing God ultimately. And God is saying, behold, I want to redirect your attention because I'm giving you something that is so good that it's the best news that anyone can share, anyone can ever hear. And what is that? It's of great joy. The phrase great joy means such immense and enormous amounts of joy. Now that means that we can't share this message with like we just, you know, drank a, a glass of, of sour lemons. We can't go around with it, a sour attitude, a sour disposition, a sour countenance and expect people to believe that we have the greatest news ever. Years ago, uh, when my dad was alive, my dad and my, my stepmom, you know, uh, had visited uh, several churches that Char and I had, had served in. And my my stepmother, who at the time and still to this day has not accepted Christ as her Savior, she knows the story of Christ and she knows why he came, but she hasn't submitted or yielded to his lordship yet. And one of the reasons, and she made an observational statement, and, and it stuck with me throughout all these years. She came to a service, and after the service, she said, Doug, I really appreciate, you know, just, uh, you know, the opportunity to come and I, you know, I asked her because I like input and I said, what is your feedback that, that, you know, just go ahead and share with me one of the things that, that you've observed or that you saw. She says, well, if those people are happy to be saved, I didn't see it. Can I say that again? If those people are happy to be saved and happy to know Jesus, I don't see it. Stalin, who is one of the leaders of the communist regime and 
Russia said, I would convert to Christianity if I ever saw a Christian who believed in Christ. That's painful. That's hard to hear, isn't it? But when our countenance is no different than the countenance of anyone else, when our attitude is just as sour as everybody else's, then we're not really understanding that we have the greatest news, good tidings, that's ever been told or could ever be heard that produces great or enormous amounts of joy in those that receive it. Now, will everyone receive it? And the answer is, but it shouldn't sour my spirit. It's still the greatest news that I could ever share. It's still the greatest news that anyone could hear. And who knows? Because God loves that person so much, he is bound to send somebody else by their path so that they can continue to hear the story over and over and over again. So I want to encourage us. The Lord is the glory and what? The lifter of our head. He shines his countenance upon us. That's not just a benediction. That's who God is. God himself shows up and shines his countenance upon us, those that need to be redirected so we can behold him and beholding him, we can be changed. Verse 11 says, here's the message that the angel brought. For there is born to you this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. Three titles that we see that the angel of the Lord pronounced to the shepherds about Jesus. First, he is a savior. The word savior means he's a deliverer, healer, protector, provider, preserver. And so to get you guys primed, let's say that together. Christ is the savior, a deliverer, healer, protector, provider, preserver. The second, Christ, who is the Savior, who is Christ. Christ comes from the word, the anointed one or the Messiah. In the Greek, it says the one and only Jehovah God manifested. So in the Old Testament, that was God's authoritative name was Jehovah. Yahweh was so sacred that many of the Jewish people wouldn't even utter, utter the name Yahweh. It was so holy and sacred to them. Jehovah was the redemptive name of God. And you guys have been taught that there are multitudes of ways that God revealed himself as Jehovah. Can you can you name one of the names of Jehovah? Just Jehovah Jireh, which means what? God will provide. Jehovah Nisi. Jehovah Nisi means? God is our banner. Jehovah Shalom. God is our peace. Jehovah Sitkanu. God is our righteousness. To know the names of God, you know the character of God. As the people of God, we need to know our God. Because scripture says, they that know their God, listen, will be strong and do exploits in the earth. Who are the people that are doing exploits? Those that know God, you get to know God through his names. It reveals his nature and character. There's seven, seven being the number of God, seven redemptive names of God that begin with Jehovah. So in this particular verse, when it's using the title Christ, it's using it's it's synonymous with the anointed one. But it's more than that. 
We know he was the anointed one. But what it is, is it's Jehovah manifesting in the flesh. This is the incarnate. And, and this is what the angel's announcement was about. Was that there is going to be a savior, a deliverer, a healer, a protector, a provider, a preserver. There is going to be a Christ, the anointed one, who will destroy and abolish the power of the enemy, the Messiah. The is capitalized. It is the one and only Messiah. It is Jehovah manifesting. And then it's Lord, which should be rendition. He is Lord over all. Lord of all, Lord over all. Jesus was Jehovah, God manifested in the flesh. Amazing, amazing truths. Verse 13 We get into this next phrase, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Suddenly means unexpectedly, without warning, and catching one unawares. Now, what's happened so far is amazing. To have a a single angel visit a group of shepherds on this particular night with this particular good news because Jesus had just been born and the announcement came from this angel in the city of David. There has been born as Christ the Lord and and he's the Savior. So, of course, you know, that angel had to feel so honored to be able to carry that message to humanity had and and to bring the presence of the Lord and to redirect their attention. But suddenly... Out of nowhere, unexpectedly, catching people unawares, catching the shepherds unawares, the heavens were filled with these angelic hosts. Heavenly hosts filled the environment, filled the atmosphere, manifested so that these shepherds could see them. Always present, but they manifested themselves. Now, this is, this is God opening opening the portals of heaven and helping us to see beyond the realm of the natural and bringing in to the realm of the natural, the eternal angelic beings that come from the presence of the Lord. And here they are and they are enumerated. I mean, and, and announcing an incredible message that we're going to get to here in a minute. So I want to ask this question. Why are a multitude of heavenly hosts and the shepherds, so overwhelmed and so excited and so enthusiastic at this particular time. And I, I want to take a little caveat here just for a minute. And I want you to take a look with me, if you would, in First Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. And then I'm going to read from my notes because um, I want to stay on course. And everybody say, stay on course, Pastor. Say it again. Now say it like you mean it. All right. 1 Timothy 3.16 says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. Now we're reading about that. Justified in the spirit. Seen by angels. Do you see that third phrase there? Seen by angels. Preached among the Gentiles. Believed on in the world. Received up into glory. So for all of us, that's the summation of salvation. Of course, that's, that's the headlines. Everybody say headlines. And but there's the fine print and and the individual letters and the gospel writings and the book of Acts and all of that is the fine print that sort of fleshes out all of the headlines that I just read about. But seen by angels. So we're 
we're looking at this question, why a multitude of heavenly hosts, why are the shepherds so overwhelmed, so excited about this announcement and about the arrival of Jesus Christ? And, and because he's been identified as God himself in the flesh. And here's one of the great answers to that question. Seen among angels, seen by men. This has never happened in human history. Not one time. Not one time have angels ever been permitted to look at the Lord. Not one time has ever a man been permitted to look at the Lord. While angels in the presence of the Lord, men have encountered the presence of the Lord. No one has ever seen the face of God. No one in human history has ever seen the face of God. And now manifesting in the heavens and bending down and the heavenly hosts are described as an army of angels, an army of angels. And the number is so large that it could not be counted by the shepherds. Multitudes and multitudes of the heavenly host are there. Scripture describes sometimes numbers like thousands times ten thousands times ten thousand times ten thousands. In other words, there's just more than what we could fathom or imagine. And that is what the shepherds are now seeing. And they're hearing this announcement. And wait till you see here in a minute how this announcement was proclaimed to them. Because it's much different than, than maybe what we've been taught or what we've been perceived. But getting back to answering this question, this is the first time in recorded history that both mankind and angels were able to look in the face of God and live. Wow, think about that. Recall the account of Moses and him inquiring in the Lord in Exodus 33. Moses asked the Lord if he could see his glory and God said, it is not possible for you to see me and live. Remember, we just shared with you the glory of the Lord manifested. That's God himself manifested. So what Moses said is, I want to see you, God. And God said, that's un- I can't allow that because then then you'll that'll be the end of you. So the Lord was merciful and the Lord placed Moses in the cleft of the rock and allowed him to see his hinder parts or his back parts. We know the cleft of the rock is a type of Christ. The only way we can really see God is when we're in Christ. And then Isaiah 6-2, the prophet Isaiah was given a glimpse into the throne room of heaven where he notices the angels that are there in the presence of the Lord are covering their faces with their wings and cannot look directly upon the throne of God. And now these very same heavenly hosts that Isaiah saw in the presence of the Lord, are beholding the face of God in the flesh. For the very first time. The shepherds made haste. See, they see God in the flesh. They are able, because God veiled himself in flesh, so that man could behold him. Listen to these two verses and see if they don't have more meaning to you now. John 1.14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. We beheld God himself in Jesus. 
The glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Listen to 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give light of the knowledge of the glory of God. How? In the face of Jesus Christ. The writer of the book of Hebrews says that Jesus is the express image of the Father who's come into this world. For the first time now, God is permitting, inviting, welcoming the angels and his prized possession, mankind, to come and behold him, to look upon him and to receive him. So in Christ, God has indeed let the angels and mankind see his very face and live. Let me give you the role of angels as we close out tonight. Scripture says that these magnificent beings are eternal that they were created by the Lord himself, that they abide or they live in his presence in heaven itself. They are messengers dispatched with a specific message from God to man. They hearken to the word of God and they watch over and protect the saints of God. It's their solemn duty and assignment to do the will of God. They excel in strength and are carriers of God's presence. It is said that we have entertained these angels at times and were not aware of it. And this took place primarily when we were showing hospitality. Each believer has been given an angel that's been assigned to them for all the days of their life. And during times of temptation, angelic beings are able to minister strength to the saints. As quickly as they appear, they can also depart. These are part of God's heavenly host. And scripture says that two-thirds of the angels abide or remained with the Lord and that one-third of the angels fell and are part of Lucifer or Satan's entourage now and they would be categorized as fallen angels or demons or evil spirits. And so we have to remember The math is still in our favor. There's more that be with us and be with them. There's more that be with us and be with them. So scripture has a lot to say about these magnificent beings. But can you imagine the privilege and the honor that they felt to be able to go and share this message and to herald this message and to participate on this holy of the most holy nights that's ever taken place in mankind? They were a vital part of Jesus' arrival. Angels were significant in announcing and declaring. As a matter of fact, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, the angel announced to Zacharias that his wife Elizabeth would give birth to a son. We know that son was John the Baptist, which was Jesus' cousin. But more importantly, he was the forerunner and the prophet of Jesus' ministry. Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, also tells us that Gabriel announced the birth of Jesus to Mary. That's just so significant. And then the angel and a multitude of heavenly hosts, as we read tonight, announced the birth of Jesus to the shepherds. So God chose to implore these magnificent, majestic servants to break. And this is, to me, one of the most fascinating and fundamentally important aspects of what we're reading about tonight. The reason that this is so good and, and, and so relevant is it broke 400 years of silence 
And this is what they said. I'm going to finish with this. <laughs> when these heavenly hosts showed up, and I'm going to read verse 13 and 14, it says, and suddenly, and we know what suddenly means. It wasn't expected. It wasn't on the calendar. It caught them unaware without warning. Suddenly, with this singular angel, multitudes and multitudes of angels manifested to where these shepherds could see them. They filled the skies and the light and the glory that had to be around these shepherds and in this field had to be overwhelming. And this is what the angelic beings of heaven were saying. And they were praising God and saying, the word saying here is in a continual ongoing tense in the Greek language. So it says they were saying and announcing and saying and announcing and saying and announcing, saying, 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 announcing, announcing, announcing. And what did they say and say and say and say and announce and announce and announce and announce over and over and over again? Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. And then they would refrain and they would say it again. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. And then they would pause and they would say it again and say it again and say it again and announce it again and announce it again because faith comes by hearing and 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 saying and saying and saying and saying and announcing and announcing and announcing and announcing and announcing and saying and saying. When's the last time you said and said and said and said and said and announced and announced and announced and announced and announced and said and said and said and said and announced and announced and announced and announced and announced and announced until it registered in you? That's how faith comes. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. That's a message of heaven to earth. It's never changed. It's never altered. It's never deviated. This is why we have to say and say and say and say with the angels in heaven and announce and announce and announce and announce that unto us there has been born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. A Savior who has come to do what? To do more than what we could ever imagine. He's come to deliver us, to heal us, to protect us, to provide for us. He's come to preserve us. How many times have you said and you said and you said, God is my healer, he's my healer, he's my healer, he's my healer, and you say it and you say it and you say it and you say it. And you say it and you announce it and you declare it and you proclaim it, that God is my deliverer, he's my deliverer, he's my deliverer, he's my deliverer, he's my provider, he's my provider, he's my provider, he is Jehovah, he is here. He is with me. Amen. This is how it works. This is what the angels did. They are examples unto us. If they said it and said it and said it so the shepherds could hear it and hear it and hear it, it's because we need it, we need it, we need it, we need it. Can I say that again? We need it, 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 we need it. We can't live without it. Man shall live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Every word is important. Every jot, every tittle, every part of it is important. No wonder Satan works overtime to just pull us over into the flesh. And I'll finish with this statement. 
If the devil can get us away from the word, the devil can lure us back into the world. If the devil can get us away from the world, the word, the devil can lure us back into the ways of the world. But when you say and you say and you say and you announce and you announce and you announce and you say and you say and you say that God is my Savior, Christ, the anointed one, is here. He is God in the flesh and he is Jesus, the name above all names. Can you say amen? He is the Lord, the absolute Lord over all. He is the one and only. He is the Messiah. How many times do you need to say it? Over and over. Ongoing, continual tense in the word saying. They just, and I imagine as they disappeared, they went into heaven and they said, you know, we're just going to keep saying it because it's true. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, good, goodwill towards men. Over and over and over again. No wonder the shepherds suddenly filled with faith made haste to see if these things were told unto them. Faith comes by hearing. When you're full of faith, you just go. You just do. You don't figure it out. You don't rationalize it. You don't look for a sign. You've heard enough. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to do. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.